Hello and welcome to the Green Industry Podcast with Paul Jamison. This show is all about helping lawn care and landscape professionals take your business to the next level. Paul is the author of three best-selling books, including Cut That Grass and Make That Cash, and his brand new book, 101 Proven Ways to Increase Efficiency and Make More Money in Lawn Care. Now available on Audible and narrated by Mr. Producer. Here's your host, Paul Jamison. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to today's program. Dr. Frank has been an eventful morning around here, man. <laughs> hey, Paul. So good to be back again. I always say that, but I really do mean it. It's always fun to be here. You know what we're going to talk about today, Paul, I think would really help your audience, and that would be to talk a little bit more about how to be competitive in their marketplace. And we talked last time, last Friday, we talked about uh, ways to be more competitive. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of those ways that we brought up was about segmenting your market or niching your business in a very important way so that you can bring in more customers and more profitability and grow your business. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about what's involved with segmenting or niching um, your products and services in a segment of your market to bring in much more revenue. Yeah, that's what the pros do. So let's get into it. Okay. Uh, what um, we talked about last time, Paul, about being a big fish in a big pond with other big fish, and mm-hmm. that's really hard to go head to head with your competition. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're big fish and they're already established, they've already got the marketing channels and the marketing message down, mm-hmm. and they can offer much more in a bigger way than you can, let's say, if you're a medium or small size company. Mm-hmm. Going head to head with them is is going to be difficult, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, the, the thing we talked about last time is in that, in that strategy where your advertising is just not as effective as the right. big boys, you got to bail cause you're just throwing good money after bad, mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, you still want to advertise, but you need to get a better return by, um, segmenting your market and niching your business down so that you're a big fish in a small pond. Remember we talked about that, Paul? Yep. Okay. Well, what is involved with that segmenting? Um, you, 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 there's a way to go about figuring out the segments in your market and then figuring out how to craft a message and tailor your business to to really resonate with, with that niche. Mm-hmm. And then you will be perceived as a big fish. Mm. And they don't have to know that it's a small pond as, as, a, as a consumer, but, right. but you are the big boy in a, in a small pond, in a small niche. And so... Um, that's what that's what we're going to be talking about. The um, the way to do that is you first of all off first of all want to go ahead and segment your market any way you can. That means uh, go on the internet, uh, start typing in lawn care or landscaping or other keywords that are related to to your business, and um, you will you will see what the competition comes up. The ones who have a website, and any credible company should have a website. And you uh, want to think about the customers that that these companies are servicing. Mm -hmm. And you can segment a variety of different ways in your mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can break down the people who want your services in terms of demographics, um, in terms of their age, their income, their occupation, their educational level. Mm -hmm. Um, Just go through the exercise. You may Mm -hmm. say, well, that's not important. Well, it is important because... When you're looking at how to break down 
your local market that potentially would want to have your services, mm-hmm. you, you want to think about how they are categorized by age, income, occupation, education, any other way that, that might be considered a demographic segment. And then you want to think about, okay, um, I believe you might say, I believe that uh, the people who are currently even using my services right now are in, in, in different um, levels of, of each of those demographic uh, segments. Mm-hmm. And, and you want to think about, well, what's important to them? Mm-hmm. What's important to a particular age group mm-hmm. in your market when you're looking at demographics? What's mm-hmm. important to them in terms of lawn care and landscaping for uh, ones who are in a certain occupation or a certain educational level or, or certain income level? Mm-hmm. And if you, if you think about who you're presenting your, your service to, in light of these demographic uh, areas, mm-hmm. you'll realize without too much thought that different things are important to different ones of those subgroups. Mm-hmm. And that then tells you, well, wait a minute, uh, a couple of these demographic groups or subgroups, uh, I, you know, I've, I've talked to them or some of them are my customers. There's more of them like them out there. Mm-hmm. And I know what's important to them because I've, I've done their lawn. I've, uh, talk to them Mm -hmm. and I can get more of them because what's important to them, I'm particularly good at, or my company really shines in their eyes Mm -hmm. and, and things like that will emerge and populate out of your thinking about how to, um, find demographic segments, Mm -hmm. what the psychology is with each of those demographic segments and how, what you offer fits perfectly or may not fit perfectly with each of those. And that will help you tailor mm-hmm. in your mind who you want to target in your market and, um, and specialize with. But demographic segments in your market is only one of many ways to segment your market. We just kind of drilled down on, on demographics. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's other ones, Paul, too. Now, did you ever consider your market in terms of demographics, I know, I know that you talk a lot about the high end neighborhoods that you're in and those were high income demographics. Yeah. Very high income. And the thing about when you're in a high income neighborhood like that, I would say north of 95% of the homeowners had a landscaping service. So I joked before about the one guy that tried to do it himself because he was broke, but they value convenience and you know, that they, they'd rather be playing golf on Saturday or out at the lake or doing a barbecue than being doing yard work. And so the majority of the folks in this particular demographic desire to have lawn service versus some neighborhoods where I started on the other side of the tracks, right? Maybe 20% had a lawn care business, you know, lawn care business taking care of their um, property versus, you know, having their son do it or they would do it or in some cases it wasn't even done at all. It was, it was all overgrown and things of that nature. So that's something that I, I found a, a, op, a opening really quickly was that this neighborhood right here with a thousand homes, I don't even have to go outside the gate. Literally I can build my whole neighborhood. It's kind of putting all your eggs in one basket. If you make a big, you know, on a major decision, you make a wrong cue. Right. You could, you could lose it all, but I had integrity and, you know, made sure I worked with people who had integrity and then go off and do something stupid that would have ruined our name in the neighborhood. Well, well but here, that's, that's excellent uh, example. And that was clearly, you were thinking about the demographic of income. 
these were these were high income neighborhoods, but and you saw with with that niche uh, what was important to them, and, and and you just articulated that. But there may be other demographics where something is very different. For example. That, that you didn't consider because you were focusing on high income and there was nothing wrong with that because you were very good at at servicing the high income neighborhoods and the high income clients. But there may be another company that could compete with you that um, just really knows how to interact and get into the mind and the psyche of of a neighborhood that might have or an area that might have a particular uh, type of occupation is more prevalent in, in that consumer base. A good example of that might be uh, Peachtree City, which is south of the Atlanta airport. There's a lot of uh, airline people, particularly airline pilots that live mm-hmm. in those neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know much about them, but I would imagine there's lawn care businesses that cater to them and they know how to talk to these airline pa- uh, pilots and their families and talk about um, and, and anticipate what their needs are in terms of lawn care and service. And it might be different than just the high income mindset. Right. And that's when you start getting in the battery powered equipment because that stuff's so quiet. A lot of those guys are on unique sleep schedules. I have many friends that are pilots for Delta and they, you know, they fly for a few days and then they're home, but they're sleeping in the middle of the day because they just got back from Dubai. You know what I mean? Right. And so when we show up and, you know, you crank up the mower and, and, and the backpack blower is going, um, that can be a nuisance. And especially folks are working from home now anyway. So you could really offer, Hey, we do, we offer a battery powered service. Now you're going to pay a premium price, but, right. but you ain't even going to know we're here. Right. It's so quiet. Um, and, and that, that would appeal to a, a demographic like that, where those guys are on a regular sleep schedules. Right. And you, you never really thought along those lines because you were really focusing on the niche of high income neighborhoods, but another, another company competitor might be thinking more occupation. I never would have thought about that, about right. the, the but quiet let, equipment. Let me, you're saying I was, I'm focused on high income. I, the, the problem point for being a lawn care business in Metro Atlanta yeah. is the traffic. So it wasn't necessarily, oh, I want to be around big money. I mean, it was cool to see the Ferrari and the Lamborghini. I didn't <laughs> even know the name of these cars when I got in there. It was Aston Martin or um, they had all these names. I didn't even know things existed. You know what I mean? I used to think like a, a Lexus was a luxury car. <laughs> <laughs> then I had a customer, um, he fired me eventually, but um, he had a Lamborghini and a Ferrari. Wow. And he had another one. I forget, I'm trying to think of the name. but um, Was it a McLaren? Maybe. I don't even know. Uh, His wife would drive him and she'd flirt with, you know, all all the guys working with me, they would all just stop. She'd get out and she'd put on a little show. She'd come by, you know, I had high school kids working for me and she's like, bye guys. She's going to the gym and they're just draws her on the floor. You know what I mean? But, um, Mark had a Rolls Royce, a real nice, um, I forget what they called that, but that wasn't what the the, the point was. If I can go to a neighborhood, go in the gate at 8 AM, there's no traffic within the neighborhood. You know what I mean? So we can work from eight to four and get way more done than if I have to leave the gate of the neighborhood and drive, even if it's three miles across Atlanta, you know, Frank, you've lived here for, I mean, you've lived in downtown Atlanta, Georgia tech, but the traffic here is irritating. Right. And that windshield time, if, if we have two or three men sitting in a truck, we're wasting money. We, we need to be out performing the service. And so yeah, that, that was my pain point on that. It wasn't just, I want to be around big money, which was cool. But I want to, I, I don't want to waste all this windshield time of driving through Atlanta. Now people in rural 
Illinois, they don't have traffic. Right. I mean, so they don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I would imagine that when you were in a neighborhood that was well to do high income, it's probably in a geographical area with other high income neighborhoods surrounding it. Uh, But that's more logistics. What I'm talking about is segmenting your market to get into the psyche of the way that they think so that you can interact with them and craft your marketing message in a way that really resonates with them. Mm-hmm. And, and you really nailed it with the, the high income neighborhoods and because they, you had access to them and, and logistically they, they worked for you. It worked well for for your, for your company to service them, but you knew how to talk to them. You knew how to craft a message for them. You know how to present your company and, and train your employees that really worked with that demographic. Mm-hmm. And you probably never had to think about so much about this. The great example that you brought up with, with the uh, airline pilots where they may really appreciate a, a long company that has quieter equipment. Yep. That probably wasn't a big issue in some of these uh, neighborhoods. They, could, they could care less. They just wanted it to look nice. Right. You know, but, but truly folks that are on a regular sleep schedules, they, the last thing they want is is to be, um, and I know this because I used to work overnight shift. Right. Last thing you want is, and this would happen somehow, some way. Whenever I try to be sleeping at nine thirty a.m., the the guy with the blower would come and right. And I was living in an apartment complex back then, and you would hear him, and it would. I'd be like, you got to be kidding me. Right. And so that that's a fantastic example of considering the demographic segments in your local market. Imagine the lawn care businesses down there in Peachtree City, south of the Atlanta airport. They thought about that. They thought about things you didn't have to think about in the neighborhood you were working with way north of the Atlanta airport and north part of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And as a result, they uh, differentiated themselves. If you're one of those airline pilots, you would really appreciate a company that emphasized uh, in their marketing message, we have the quiet equipment. We understand your schedules and uh, we, we won't interrupt your sleep if, if we're coming to do your yard and, and you're trying to get some sleep before you fly out again. So um, and, and that could even go with like a demographic of of high education. Um, I don't know this, but I think it's probably likely that if you're in a neighborhood where it's maybe uh, doesn't even have to be high income, but high education level, uh, perhaps. And you may, you may know some examples like this where what's really important to them and the way they think is a lawn care company that can talk to them and inform them about things, about mm-hmm. products and services and how to make their lawn look good. And they're more or, oriented in information and a, and a company that, that caters to that mindset is very appealing to them. What, do you have any thoughts on that? I'll read a book by Dan Kennedy about perceived value. Yeah. I'm going to order it. I was looking at it on Amazon. Okay. But I was thinking about that. If they know that you're competent and educated in in what you're going to do, that that means something to them. Yeah. And you probably didn't have to major on that with some of the neighborhoods you were in because that wasn't the issue. It was more the high income and the convenience and the status. Yeah. And the status. Yeah. Convenience. Yeah. So- what I'm saying is it, it doesn't take too much effort for the business owner to think about in my local area, what are the demographic segments? And I've talked to some of those people you might say to yourself as a business owner, and I kind of know what's important to them. And when I'm talking to those or crafting a message to get those kinds of customers, mm-hmm. 
I will make sure that my marketing message caters to what's most important to them because every different demographic has a different psychological profile of what's important to them. Yeah. So we have to take our, our lens of the business owner out of the way and put ourselves in the customer's shoes. What's important to the customer? Exactly. And one of the big mantras of all the marketing gurus that I've ever heard, they make it a point to say, and this is a really key point is you are not your customer. Mm. What that means is, well, I'm just going to offer my lawn care and landscaping business because this is what's important to me. I'm a homeowner. I, I like this. I like that. I like a company that majors on this idea and not that idea. But you know what? Your customer base may not think like that. Mm-hmm. They may desperately want to have your service, but what's important to them is not what's important to you as a business owner and, and even a homeowner, uh, maintaining your own yard for you and your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are not your customer. And That's so really getting good. into the mind of your customer, particularly the segments of your customer, uh, potential customers in your market is really key. Hey, Green Industry Podcast listeners, this is Cody from Lightspeed Social Agency. If you're tired of spinning your wheels every selling season, we want to change things up for you in 2022. We're a full-service digital marketing agency that only works with lawn care and landscaping businesses. We specialize in hyper-local, neighborhood-by-neighborhood Facebook ads that generate right-away ROI. Let's talk about how we can grow your business at the speed of light. Go to lightspeedsocialagency.com to schedule a call. Make sure to tell us Paul sent you, and we'll waive your setup fee. It's Brittany here with the Hardscape Academy. If you're serious about keeping good, qualified people around, then you have to train them. You can say, well, what if they leave? I've trained them and I've spent all this time and resources on it. But what if they stay and you haven't taken that time to train them and they're not able to grow within your company and run their own jobs? That falls on you. So check out the hardscapeacademy.com to train yourself and your crews. This month, we're going to be launching our Crewman Paver training video. This video is for your employees. It is the how to hardscaping and not so much the why everything is done the way it is. In this 45 minute video, you'll be able to brief your employees on paver installation basics so they're ready to crush the day on site with you. The hardscapeacademy.com is the place to get skills and training for you and your crew so you can excel as a professional hardscaper and grow your company. You'll learn all the techniques and best practices to properly install pavers and retaining walls. Check out the hardscapeacademy.com. Hey, Landscaper, do you work hard all year for freedom but still feel as though your money controls you? Unfortunately, because you can't give bookkeeping your full energy or focus, it just sits there most nights untouched, continually haunting you? Because your business demands your time elsewhere, you need a personalized bookkeeping solution dedicated to your industry. Gulf Coast Bookkeeping, now known as the Landscaping Bookkeeper, is dedicated to giving your time and peace of mind back through our monthly bookkeeping service. You can begin this partnership with us today by going to gulfcoastbk.com and scheduling a 15-minute phone call. We want you to become a confident and informed business owner. We'll take care of your grain so you can take care of theirs. Schedule a 15-minute call today at gulfcoastbk.com. Alrighty, Dr. Frank. So are there any other segments that we need to be considering and focusing on? Yeah, absolutely. We spent a lot of time before the break talking about the demographic segments and how you could break that down into subgroups and try to figure out just using your common sense of what's the main one or two key points that's in their head that you really need to address if you're going to try to get them as a customer. 
But there's other segments as well, like geographical segments, um, the type of neighborhood you might be looking for um, or the type of home that they own. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's important, too, because if they own a McMansion or they own a What's home, a McMansion? A McMansion. <laughs> like McDonald's? <laughs> McDonald's? You ever watch Coming to America? <laughs> no. I, you never watched Coming to America? I never saw that. I don't know. McDowell's? You don't know what McDowell's I, is? I don't watch TV. It's a movie. 1988. Oh. <laughs> okay. Eddie Murphy? No, I never saw that. McDowell's? No. Well, McMansion is uh, some of these homes in the north end of Atlanta, you know, or the town that we live in. And they're, they're these just huge homes and they have, they're two story and they're, they're just palatial. Mm-hmm. Call them McMansions. Okay. okay. Is that something you made up or is that the actual name? Of no, them? I've talked to a business, uh, I mean, building developers that go in and build neighborhoods. I call them yeah. McMansions. Okay. That makes sense. Because I don't understand. I just drive around Atlanta. I'm like, where are all these people? Yeah. Especially the county we live in. I mean, there's so much wealth here. I'm like, where where do these people work? Like, what do they do? Yeah. It's, and it's incredible. I mean, it's so much McMansions all around. I, I suspect now, you know, we're getting off topic here, but I suspect a lot of them, uh, they have that house and that's about all they can afford and okay. they, they're maxed out. I don't think all of them, but I think there's a sizable percentage of them that probably have the show of wealth, but may not have the true wealth. There was a famous book written uh, called uh, The Millionaire Next Door and the whole Stanley. premise. Stanley. I don't remember who the author Thomas was. Thomas Stanley. Yeah. You read that book? Yeah. Yeah, he was from Marietta. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, yeah. he, he, the premise, we're off topic here, but the, the premise of the book was that uh, most likely if, if the guy looks like a millionaire next door, he's probably not. He's probably got dead over, uh, over, over his head. Mm-hmm. And the guy, uh, like um, the guy who started Walmart, he's passed away now, but he drove an old pickup truck there in Arkansas and he didn't look like a millionaire, didn't dress like a millionaire. And, and he was a multi, multi-millionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an excellent book, The Millionaire Next Day by Thomas Stanley. Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, d- dem- geographic segments is another way to just think about who's in my local area that I could sell to, get them as a new customer. And geographically, and, and you talked about that, you, you were geographically going into the neighborhoods that were near where you lived, and they happened to be some of the higher end neighborhoods. Um, another segment of the market is maybe behavioral segments. Think about your possible market in terms of those segments. That means, uh, their, um, their readiness to buy or their motivation for taking action towards contacting a a, a potential company to start doing their lawn care and their landscaping or, or, uh, attitude wise. Now this is a little bit more abstract, but, let me give you some examples of that. Mm-hmm. There is a different mindset for the behavioral segment that's trying to sell their home. They've lived in it that's X good. number of years. It, now it's time to sell. And they know they need to have the yard looking better than they've had it before because they're trying to present well for prospective buyers of their home. That's a niche. They're thinking mm-hmm. a certain way. And if a, a company can say, you know, we specialize, we specialize in a lot of things, but one of the, our specialties is getting your home ready to sell. That's really good. Frank. I was just having lunch on Saturday with a very successful real estate folk. Yeah. And um, we were just talking back and forth about landscaping and real estate. And mm-hmm. that's, if you're going to work with a real estate agent, that's what you do. You take their listings 
you sell it to because the real estate agent wants to sell it for top dollar. Right. So they'll 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 promote you like, yeah, I got, I got the best guy. He'll take good care of you. And then you're in conversations with the homeowner looking to sell and say, oh, wow, let's spruce this up. This spruce this up. market right now is kind of funky. But in, in, re- in regular times, if you can have that place looking immaculate, you're going to sell it for more. And you pitch the you pitch them that. And it's not even just immaculate, but homey and inviting mm-hmm. where it's, it's clean. not only immaculate and clean, but it's attractive. Right. And it presents the house well to the prospective buyer just coming up the driveway. Um, another example of that might be new homes. Um, somebody bought a new home in a new neighborhood and there's not a lot of trees and, and, and the grass sod isn't come in yet. Uh, I would imagine that uh, there's different things on their mind as a new homeowner where they'd like to get their yard and and the garden around the house, mm-hmm. uh, flower garden established. Right. And uh, a, a company might say, well, we specialize in new, new homes, you know, for those new neighborhoods yeah. so that their yard starts looking better sooner. Yeah. And, and you can and put educational videos and things on the Internet like when you are supposed to start mowing the sod, cause you don't just mow it right away when it's not rooted or it, it could, um, right. you know, it could cause harm or, or kill it. And so, yeah, that's definitely, I have a friend of mine who's a widow. We were actually just, uh, uh, I was telling you about her this morning. She had moved, her husband passed away. They I used to mow their lawn here in Georgia and her husband passed away. So she moved up to Ohio where her families kind of take care of her. And um, she just built a new house. And so she was asking me like, they put new sod in, you know, do I, can I mow it now? And I'm like, no, right. no, 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 no. Let's wait. Let it right. take root and, and grow, and then we'll get it mowed. And, and so, so they're nature. they're thinking different. Mm-hmm. The the person who's got that new home, they they, mm-hmm. they want a yard company to come in that that's sensitive to what they find important as a new homeowner in a in a new unestablished neighborhood. Uh, another example is what you're currently doing, which is the uh, fancy homes. You know what's important to them. You know that mindset because you've nailed that one. And uh, that happens to fit in often with the the high income, but it's just another way mm-hmm. of thinking about potential customers in your market and then getting out of the mindset of what you think is a homeowner is important and try to think about what's important to them as the homeowner looking for a, ma- a yard maintenance and a, and a landscaping company. There's other segments too, Paul. Um, think about your market in terms of benefit segments. Uh, what is the, the main benefit or the most important thing in each group that, that you could come up with? Um, we're not talking income. We're not talking occupation. We're not talking type of home. It's just uh, for lawn care and for uh, landscaping, what, what are the mindsets out there of what's the greatest benefit of hiring a company to do it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that gives you some insight too. That you make sure that your marketing message is tailored to the to the key benefits that you know people are looking for. Uh, another one is psychographic segments, where and we've talked a little bit about psychographics, what people thinking. This is in a different sense. Mm-hmm. This is a segment where you're considering lifestyles. Um, there may be s- segments in your market that have certain lifestyles, like they're home all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and they don't travel or the ones that travel all the time and uh, th- their house is left unattended for weeks or months at a time mm-hmm. or other lifestyles I can't even think of that might factor into the type of lawn service they're looking for. Do you have any thoughts on that? Because I, I know you've talked about some of your customers that that go away and travel a lot. But uh, what other lifestyles have you come across where it introduced a particular a unique need for their lawn care? 
Yeah. I think my buddy, um, Tony shout outs. If you're listening, he's out uh, Lake country lawn care. He's down in, um, Lake Oconee, but these customers, they really want it looking nice for Memorial day, July 4th, labor day. Cause their houses are all on a lake. Ah. And so really selling that, Hey, we'll, we'll make it sure it looks phenomenal for all major. Those are the three times you always show off your boat and have a party Memorial day, July 4th, labor day, when you live on a lake and they also want it looking nice for the weekends because usually you have the kids or grandkids over. And, and so, Hey, we'll, you know, we'll make sure everything's looking nice. And then you can kind of prioritize the maintenances on Thursday and Fridays. And maybe if you're going to be doing some um, landscape enhancement work that can happen at the beginning of the week on Mondays and Tuesdays um, and really catering to those lake. Um, I mean, he is crushing it down there. It's some really nice neighborhoods of Reynolds plantation area. Well, I bet you one thing he's doing, Paul, I, I mean, I don't know this guy, but I bet you he's got a website for his company. And if he's smart, he's got pictures on that website that show Memorial Day and some of these holiday yards. Mm-hmm. And there's a caption. There should always be a caption of words under any picture you put on your website that says Memorial Day Yard. Mm-hmm. Or what was those other holidays? For, July 4th. For, July 4th <laughs> Labor Yard. And, and just say uh, some kind of reference that the picture is for yeah. that particular holiday. That's good. Um, and, and it doesn't say we, we made the yard for 4th of July. It's just saying a, a picture I took on the 4th of July of one of our customers. You know, something like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. That's and, some good advice for you guys. We have a lot of listeners at Lake Oconee. So yeah. shout outs to all y'all. I'm not just calling Tony. There's We have we have lots of friends of the show that listen to that that part of the country, Eatonton area, um, down at Lake Oconee, should big, big money down there. I think Dr. Frank, it's the third wealthiest per capita region in the United States. I didn't know that. Most people don't know that. Um, wow. Super rich. So this is a little lake. Well, it's not little, but it's in the middle of nowhere. Uh-huh. And then they have, they only have one hotel in there. It's just, you know, maybe mainly neighborhoods. And guess what hotel it is? Holiday Inn. No, <laughs> make another guess. Uh, Ritz Carlton. Yep. They got Ritz Carlton in the middle of the, <laughs> no, they only have one hotel, but that just shows you the kind of wealth that's there. Yeah, I got it you. It ain't no Hampton Inn, which I used to, you know, I, I used to think, man, if I, Hampton Inn's nice. Right. But that thing got a Ritz Carlton. I, they, one of my customers took me out to, um, to lunch there at uh, Gabby's it's called. And you sit there out on the lake at the Ritz Carlton. Now th- that's at like East on I-20, right? Yeah. Way out. Th- yeah. I know. Way different than Lake Lanier. No offense, guy. Lake Lanier is our lake here. Yeah. Yeah. It makes Lake Lanier look. Good. Yeah. I know, uh, I know. I know where you're talking about. How interesting. And uh, I guess the last segment that I've seen in the research, Paul, because mm-hmm. people have studied this, you know, they're thinking if you're going to niche, you better find a niche that's relevant to your local area mm-hmm. where, where you work in and uh, how, how can you niche? You can niche it so many ways. The, the last one that came out of the research was a loyalty segments. Mm-hmm. And this is um, different levels of retention or purchase volume mm-hmm. where um, there could be a market for the kind of customer in your local area that really wants a lot of variety of services that are related to lawn care. Mm-hmm. And, and you could, you could niche that in your, in your company saying, well, we don't just mow yards. We do a whole variety of things, but it's, it's, it's for the, it's the full service for, for the yard to make it even more special. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to say that, but you know what I'm talking about, Paul? Yeah, absolutely. And I think in the, the higher income neighborhoods, that's what they want. They, they want one full service company. They'll take care of everything. They don't have to worry about it. Everything's 
professionally done and convenient for them. So it's like a one-stop shopping, I guess, is the mentality. Yeah. Would you put it that way? Yeah. And I think if you're going to niche in Atlanta, that's that's definitely one route to go. Or um, R-E-E-L, real yeah. mowing, that's the cylinder mower. I'm telling you, man, if if I could start all over again, I think I would offer only real mowing. And, and, and because if you have just a little science behind it, yeah, it will scalp the grass because the mowers go, well, you guys can't see this as audio. This episode's audio. We're going to have a lot. Basically our episodes will be video in the future, Frank. Okay. When the mower's going like this, it's going to scalp the yard if it's not a smooth grade. So customers that, that have their lawn mowed with the real mower that gets that short golf course look. So that's like a cylinder that's a cylinder. rotating it instead is. of exactly. a fan that's cutting horizontally. Exactly. Now the fan horizontally, that's what most, you know, it's called a rotary mower. That's what most guys use. Right. There's a lot of um, give and take where you're not going to scalp the yard with those. But with the cylinder mower, it has to be smooth. So it's a guarantee if you want to sell real mowing, you have to tell the customer, hey, once a year, we have to sand your yard, top dress your yard. Mm-hmm. So it it finds all the gaps of the dips and makes it smooth. That way, well, look, well, that you charge big money to top dress sand the yard. So now you're, you're top dressing and you're real mowing. You're top dressing and you're real mowing. And that's a niche right there. I'm telling you guys, if you live in Atlanta, because I have one friend who actually does this, he only, he won't mow your yard with a rotary mower. He only mows with real mowing and he charges quite substantially more and people are willing to pay it all day long. So, yeah, yeah, that's really good. Uh, So with the loyalty segment, um, (laughs) that may also be. Uh, pay attention to your best existing customers. And I know you do that all the time, Paul, with your existing customers. Mm-hmm. You probably, maybe without even realizing it, or maybe now without realizing it, but maybe intentionally in the past when you're first starting out, you give a lot of attention to your best customers. And you make a point of that mm-hmm. because uh, your best customers are the ones that uh, get you in the most frequently or buy the most additional products and services and you, you really cater to them, don't you? Yeah. And there's, I can count them on one hand, just people that are my biggest champions with word of mouth referrals. Oh yeah. So you want to keep them happy at all times because there's a few people in particular that carry a lot of weight and, um, there's different groups, whether it's on Facebook or it's a private, some of these country clubs have their own private portals where only residents can communicate. But when you get in, when you get a big mouth in one of those, you know, they talk about babysitters to um, hire or, or not. Right. You know, um, painters that are uh-huh. good or bad. Uh-huh. And they're clearly talking about lawn care landscapers. And when you have a trusted voice in, in the neighborhood that people trust and they're saying, oh, you know, call Paul and his guys. You, you, you want to keep those people real happy. Yeah, I got you. Yes, that's, that's a very important point. So I would say in conclusion... Well, here's how I would summarize. In retrospect? Yeah, in retrospect, Thank after you. all we talked about. <laughs> in conclusion, if you're seeking to be a bigger fish in a small pond, because uh, that's your marketing strategy, then you're going to have to niche. You're going to have to figure out a way of grouping the prospective customers in your local area or the areas where you're servicing. And you need to segment them and, mm-hmm. and put them into groups. And there's lots of ways to put them in groups. The, and we, we, we covered a lot of them. That's what the research shows. Groupings are typically done in the areas that we just talked about. But with once you group it, then just use your common sense to discern the special need that each newfound segment might have. And that's just using your common sense. 
And then you've got the target marketing message to really emphasize on your website, on your business card, in your advertising, in your communications, any kind of communications with, with that, those segments. So that's, that's how I would summarize it. Well, I really appreciate you stretching the way we think, Dr. Frank. If you guys want more with Dr. Frank, we have a how to get and keep customers um, marketing essentials uh, e-training where we go in depth on how we can market a lawn care business and get the best customers, make more money. Um, that's available at the greenindustrypodcast.com. We have a new brand new resource center at the greenindustrypodcast.com and you can uh, take a look at Frank and I's e-training, how to get and keep customers. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Appreciate that and good talking with you again. This has been a Jameson Media and Mr. Producer production. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? Ew, seriously. They squeeze the grease out of the wool and process it with chemicals, and then you eat it. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I got rid of products I didn't want anywhere near my body. I found that many multivitamins contain high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and even lacked some of the nutrients we actually needed. So what did I do? At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. Ritual's products are made traceable, meaning we share the science and sourcing for every single ingredient. For example, our vegan vitamin D3 comes from sustainably harvested lichen in Nottingham, England, not sheep. We trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. See for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.